Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. I want to jump into the Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, jump, um, open them up with me um, to the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 1 this morning. And where I'm going to start from today, and um, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be teaching from this, this particular passage the next couple weeks. Yeah, you're stuck with me the next couple weeks live preaching. I hope that's okay. <clears throat> Somebody already said, that don't look like Franklin Jensen up there. <laughs> no, I'm not Franklin Jensen or Jensen Franklin. I'm Javon Ruff, but, um, but I'm delighted. I love my pastor. How many of you love our pastor? So why Sharice, I honor him today. Thank God for him. Um, Ezekiel chapter one. Um, I'm going to begin um, at verse four. Before I do something, and and um, I don't normally do this, but um, there's an amazing couple that's here all the way from the West Coast, um, from California, and um, a precious couple that's near and dear to my family. Um, they were one of the probably one of the first families that that really took us in, Shannon and I, when we moved to California. And, um, and really, you know, that would have been good enough the way they treated us, but it just really went over the edge when I finally got introduced to real Mexican food. I did not realize until I went to their house that I had been deceived all of my life. Taco Bell, on the border, all of them been, I mean, just deception. For all these years, you know, and 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 I remember, I, I, and this was something I said, "Where's where's the queso, the white stuff?" And they looked at me like, "I don't know what you're talking about. We got the green stuff, and that white stuff didn't exist." And I'm telling you, I put on about 33 pounds in about a month from enchiladas and homemade salsa and ta- I mean, just but 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 man, I'm getting hungry. I got to get 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 where I'm getting. But needless to say, they were very critical in, in, in our church. They're a great family who opened up their home to really anybody. Used to have massive just gatherings in their backyard because they love God and they love people. And, and that's them here. That's Art and Bertha Paquette. They're sitting here on the second row. We love you. Thank God for you. I wish I had time to tell you about a story with Art and I. Um, but we don't have the time for it. We really got to know each other, really, in a, in a weird way. Not, 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 well, I don't mean like that, but I'm telling you, uh, if, I had, if I had time to tell you, I'm telling you. But yeah, but we don't have time for that. Great people, if you see them, say hello to them. And um, they're here with Dr. Rich somewhere around here. There's no telling what he's doing. Let's get to the Word of God. You ready? Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm ready to roll. Are you ready to roll? Verse 4, it says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, and a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. And brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its mist, like the color of amber, and out of the mist of a fire. This is Ezekiel the prophet. He's having a vision. I don't have time. I'll I'll work on this in the next couple weeks to really go into the whole vision part and how God, you know, is is speaking to him through vision. The Bible, God does speak through visions. God speaks through dreams. The Scripture is very clear about that. He can speak audibly. He can speak through dreams. He can speak through visions. And I'll break this down a little bit more, but he's having this ability as a prophet, as a seer, to see things in the spirit. And it says, and there, and also from within, it came lightness 
of four living creatures and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under the wings on the four sides and each of the four, listen to this, had faces and wings. Their wings touch one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. Verse 10, here it is. And for the likeness of their faces, notice that, each one had the face of a man, each of the four had the face of a lion. On the right side, each, had the, each four had the face of an ox. On the left side, and each one four had the face of an eagle. Notice the scripture said that one big creature or being, it had the face of a man, it had the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Amen? And I'll stop right there. And what I want to, I'm going to talk to you about over the next couple of weeks, and particularly I'll start today, is I want to talk to you from this subject or this teaching, game faces of the believers. Game faces of the believer. Game faces of the believer. Say that with me. Game faces of the believer. The word game face, game face is a common phrase that's used throughout multiple sporting events and, and, and arenas of sports and athleticism. It's defined as a look of intense determination a seriousness, an essential tactic that athletes use when they step into a competitive event. It describes a facial expression that reveals emotion, focus, energy, being resolute, dedicated, and determined on the mission, and they refuse to be distracted. Research um, shows, I looked up some different things concerning game face, the research, some of the comments made by some professional athletes when they were asked, what's your game face all about? One says, my game face shows the seriousness of my competition. Another athlete said, when you put my uniform over my head, my game face goes on. It, it, it's letting nothing on the periphery penetrate my focus. It's kind of a whole nother subconscious that you get into. Another one said this, it's really a mental, spiritual, and emotional quest. The term game face embodies all these dimensions. Different types of athletes that don't have time to put up pictures, you would see the seriousness, whether it's in pregame or sitting on the sidelines or preparing. There's this shift that comes to the way they begin to carry themselves and the way they begin to act because they understand that now that I'm about to step into the arena of this moment, it's going to take a different mindset and mentality if I'm going to compete at my utmost. These comments were made by great athletes who knew the importance and the criticality of having game faces in the events that they played in. But I want to say to us this morning that as believers, we have to learn to put on spiritual game faces in order for us to operate and to succeed and compete in the realm of this life, which is a type of game. 
I want to encourage you this morning that as I talk about these, don't just hear another message and don't just hear another sermon, but I really want us to grasp a hold to this teaching because I believe that it can be the difference in how we live our lives on a daily basis. The Bible said in Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 8 through 9, God told Ezekiel, he said, behold, I've made your face strong against your, their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. Like an adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Listen to what he's saying. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are, rebe they are a rebellious house. You know what God is telling Ezekiel? You know what he said? He said, I want you to get a game face on. He said to set your face like a flint. The flint was a hard stone. It, was, it represents solid. It represents um, stability. And he said, set your face like a flint. Because in that time, everything around him was opposing him. People were opposing him. Cir circumstances were opposing him. Situations were against him. But Ezekiel made up his mind. He said, I don't care who's talking about me. I don't care who's trying to come against me. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to set my face like a flint. I'm going to choose to be focused. I'm going to choose to be resolute and resilient. I'm going to choose to have a steadfast look and keep my eyes on God no matter what. And I want to say this to us this morning. We've got to do the same, th same thing. We got to have faces of flint. We got to get a flint face, if I can say it like that, and set our faces like a flint and be strong, especially in the times that we're living living in, surrounded by so many things that come to distract, so many things that come to deter, so many things that come to derail from our mission, our call, our purpose, our destiny, and the dream that God has for our lives. But God's word said to, says to us that we have to learn to set our face like a flint. I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. I'm going to stay focused on his word. I'm going to stay focused on what the Bible says. I don't care what Fox says. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what TikTok says, Facebook says, Instagram says. I don't care if it does not line up to the word of God. I refuse to allow it to dictate and determine how I'm going to live my life. We've got to get focused. we got to get our faces like a flint and say, for Jesus I live and Jesus I die. And as long as I stand on this rock as we sang this morning that we don't have to worry about the winds of adversity and the hardships and struggles that may come our way because we've set our faces like a flint and stand strong on the word of God. We will endure the hard times. Can I get an amen and I'll move on. I'm getting excited already. Even Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter nine, it says he steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. And what it's talking about is he was headed toward Jerusalem. He was headed to the cross. He was headed to fulfill the destiny. Even his own disciples tried to stop him. That's where he tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. His face was so set on his purpose and his call, he refused, anybody, refused to allow anything or anybody to distract him. Understand this this morning. When you look at our text, Ezekiel's vision said this, there was this beast that had these four faces, one of a man, one of a lion, one of an ox, and one of an eagle. 
man being the dominant one, but all three of them are actually dominant in their arena of life. The eagle dominant above the birds, the, the, the ox dominant among the cattle, and the lion we know is the king of the jungle. But this morning, I want to set this up where particularly, as you can see, the ox. I want to talk about the game face of an ox this morning. Oftentimes, when you look in the scripture, and I'm going to give you these really quickly, when it talks about what the ox represent, you often hear a terminology called the yoke of oxen, or the oxen being yoked, or the, yoke, the ox are being yoked up, and I think they have a picture of ox that are in yoke. Notice that. That yoke represents that, 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 that wood piece. It re represents that structure that is placed upon their neck. There, there you see that allows two ox to be joined together and it positions them to be able to carry the equipment and, uh, and, and the plows or all the farming instruments that were needed to carry out what the farmers needed them to do. And what was unique is these, these yokes were made specifically for the ox. In other words, if, if they were not made for any other animal, only the ox could actually carry or wear these yokes. If any other animal would try to, care, to, to, to bear the weight of these yokes, they would be crushed under them, which represents my first point. The game face of an ox represents our ability to have sustainability. Write that down, sustainability. What do you mean? Understand that those oxen were able to carry or bear things that other animals could not bear. I wanna tell you that oftentimes in life, God will allow us to go through things. Ooh, I'm gonna preach right here. Sometimes we're wondering, God, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? Why did this have to happen to me? You look around, why, isn't, why, why didn't they lose their job? Or why didn't their business go crazy? Or why didn't this happen? And why, the, why me, why me, why me? Could it be that there are sometimes, could it be that sometimes, uh, God will allow you to go through things uh, not as a mean of punishment, but he knows that he's given you the grace to bear it. I'm gonna preach right here. Sometimes what God has allows is because it's what he's already assessed. Because sometimes you and I only look at our ability, but God sees our capacity. We look at what we look at ourselves and say, I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. I don't have the know-how to do it. And, and, and we shy back from what God is calling us to. But I want to declare this morning that if God allows you to go through it, if God allows it to come in your life, he's already assessed it. He's already looked because there are things in you that you don't know that are in you that he knows that is in you. He said it like this. I will not allow you to come under any trial, any hardship, any struggle, any adversity that you would not be able to bear it so if you're oh come on somebody if you're going through it if it's happening to you just know that God sees you on the other side and that before he allowed it he assessed that you had the capacity to carry it the second thing is this right here somebody say separation Deuteronomy 22 10 says this oh concerning the ox do not plow with an ox and a donkey Yoked together. Two beasts that are two different species will always be at odds with each other. 
there'll always be a conflict of interest. Oh, yes. Notice what it said. An ox cannot plow with a donkey. It speaks of separation. It speaks of connections and alliances. It matters who I connect my life to. It matters who are my associations, oh God. It matters who my so-called friends are. It matters my friend group. It matters my surroundings. It matters who I link up with and hook up with. See, the Bible in Proverbs says this. It says, I love the scripture. It says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The message says, hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. But notice, here's what I'm saying. It says the companion of fools. Here's what it implies. It's a good person hanging around foolish people. See, it says the companion of. And he said, you're not the problem. But you, you become part of the problem when you hang out with problem makers. He said, companion of fools. And I want to just, I know that we don't like this kind of stuff. This is old school. No, it's Bible preaching and teaching that we need to come here again and again that it matters who I am hanging out with. Come on, somebody. You need to, you need to assess and evaluate the circle that you're in. Are the people taken from you or are they giving to you? Are they lifting you up or are they bringing you down? Because real friends don't let friends drive demon-possessed. A real friend will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to know. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Oh, it's quiet this morning. But I need some wise people in my life. Let me just go ahead and a little further and preach while I'm here. Because it goes on to talks about in Corinthians, Paul talks about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not, I love this in the Amplified, do not make mismated alliances. Can I preach here? This ain't a relationship series. The game face of the ox realize my mate matters. I don't just get into a relationship with anybody. I don't just hook up with anybody. Unequally yoked. See, you know what we say? Well, oh yeah, they gotta be Christian. It starts there, but it don't stop there. Oh, I'm going to preach good this morning. But he said, she said they're Christian, so did everybody else in the world. By title, but no life. They cute, but have no character. Uh-oh, they got money. Y'all don't like me today, do you? No, I love you. I'm, I'm going to preach this stuff because I love you and we need to talk about it because listen to me, it's not just because they're Christian. What you need to ask yourself, not if, this, if they're just Christian, but is this covenant? Because God has covenant relationships that he wants us to enter in. He wants, listen, oh my God. See, I, I wrote it down like this. Listen to this. We call marriage ceremony holy matrimony, Right? But holy matrimony is not possible for unholy people because the emphasis is on holy, which means to be separate, refers to people being committed to God and separated by God's forgiveness from sin and set apart for his purpose and destiny. Oh, but here, here's, here's, here, let me give it to you like this. A lot of other adjectives that draw people to wedding ceremony, emotional matrimony, 
money matrimony, lustful matrimony, lonely matrimony. Oh, never let loneliness choose your life partner. I just said something. Parental matrimony. Pressure from the parents. I ain't trying to be on, on parents or anything, but, but pressure, pressure, pressure. And the only problem is this. Whatever leads a couple to matrimony, that becomes the foundation of that matrimony. But an ox understands the beauty of waiting on the Lord. The beauty of, of knowing that God has the perfect person for my life. Oh, come on, somebody. When I mean perfect, I don't mean perfect. They're perfect, but I mean perfect in regards to purpose. Didn't want to hear that today. You're going to hear it today. Everything that has potential, hear me now, doesn't mean it's purpose. I want to say that to business people. I want to say that to entrepreneurs. Always remember everything that has. Be careful of the alliances that we connect with and, and hook ourselves up with. God cares about these things. And the game face of an ox says, I understand the power of separation because I'm separated and I'm set apart, not because I'm special and unique, but because I'm chosen and called and elected by God. Here we go. Number three is strength. Say strength. You've heard the term strong as an ox. <laughs> that joker, strong as an ox. Psalms 92.10 says this, but you have made me strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with fresh oil. The game face of the ox understands this. The ox is a strong animal. It's a powerful animal. It, it, it has the ability to, to do great feats because of its strength. But what we understand that it's not our strength. Huh. It represents that our strength is not of ourselves. It represents the strength of God that is given to us. The Bible said we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. And it's not strength to do anything that we want to do. It's strength to do what he has called us to do. Let me correct that. Because if people say, I can do all things through Christ. No, it's not all things you want. It's all things according to his word, his plans, and his purpose that he gives strength for. Are you following? I'm teaching this morning. And understand that the ox represents that it's not the strength of my own, but it's strength that comes from God. Notice what that scripture said. He said, you have made me strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with fresh oil. In other words, the anointing of God on our lives is critical. The presence of the Holy Spirit operating our lives is critical. We realize that we cannot do it in our power. We cannot do it in our mind, but by his spirit. And I'm not just talking about ministry and singing on the platform and teaching the class. I need the anointing to be a husband. I need the anointing to be a father. I need the anointing to live life every day. I need the help and the presence of the Holy Spirit to live in a way that glorifies glorifies God and honor Jesus. If anybody else feel that way, give me a hand clap of praise. You see, the scripture said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It means that when God says be strong in the Lord, it represents, watch this, that we are the, the receivers and he is the one that deposits. 
If you study it out in its original translation, the picture that is painted is that God's power looks for a place to be planted. And he said that we as his vessels are the place that he looks to fill with his power. But watch this, the being filled with his power, oh my God, is not just for us. God fills us so he can flow through us. God anoints us, come on somebody, so he can work through us. And the power that comes from him is dynamic power. And this is what suddenly burned in my heart to tell you. The anointing is greater than an army. Watch this. I said the anointing is greater than an army. The Bible says Shamgar, one man with an ox goad by himself killed 600 Philistines. Watch this. He was outnumbered but he wasn't outpowered. And your word today is, if you allow the anointing of God to operate in your life, I don't care what odds are stacked against you, you may be outnumbered, but with the Holy Ghost, you are never outpowered. God's power is greater. The anointing is greater than any army. Why is that important? Because understand, I feel it now is the reason why the power and the strength of an ox is important. It's because watch this. The ox's strength, the strength of an ox helps it to endure and have longevity. Watch this. The ox is not speedy, but the ox has the ability to go the long haul. It's built not for speed, but for endurance. And that's important when it comes to plowing and when it comes to praying. Oh, write that down. Because see, in life, sometimes we want speedy, 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 speedy. We want now, 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 now. But when you have the game face of an ox, you understand that sometimes it's going to take time. Sometimes you're going to have to endure for a little while. Oh, what am I talking about? See, the ox was used to plow. Plowing wasn't a speedy process. Plowing wasn't a quick process. But plowing took time, and it was painful, and it was hard work. The Bible said that, 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 that Elisha was plowing behind uh, several teams of oxen. But the reason why it's important, hear me, that God allows us to go through these plowing seasons because the plow was designed to break up the fallow ground. What do you mean? The fallow ground was ground that was left undisturbed. It was ground that was hardened. It was ground, it was ground that had, had become dormant over time. And watch this. And the farmer knew, until I break that ground up, there are nutrients, mm, there are minerals, there are things in that ground that will never come up out of it and position itself to receive a seed to produce a harvest until it's broken up. Can I tell you that sometimes God will allow us to go through plowing seasons and the whole purpose of a plowing season, yes, it's painful, yes, it's hurtful, but guess what it is? It's preparation because he knows if you didn't go through what you went through, I'm gonna preach right here, you wouldn't have the prayer life that you had right now, you wouldn't have the worship life that you had right now, you wouldn't have the commitment to God's word that you have right now, but he allowed you to go through a plowing 
sowing season because it was preparing you. It was, oh my Lord, it was waking up potential inside of you. There are too many people that have gone to the grave with greatness inside of them. But I come to declare, we here at Free Chapel Spartanburg, we are not going to be people who go to the grave with dormant potential. I pray every day over this house and over the people that God rake up every piece of potential inside of them. Don't let skills, don't let giftings, don't let callings, don't let purposes lie dormant in your people, but help them to see the investment that you placed inside of them. And sometimes it takes a plowing season. He needs strength to plow, but strength to keep praying. The Bible said this in the book of 1 Kings 19. The prophet Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound. But what you don't understand, he was in a famine. Nothing around him looked like rain. It was all dropped. But the Bible said he went up to the mountain and he started praying. He started praying for what he had heard. He started praying in the natural about what he had heard in the spirit. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When he heard it in the spirit, he started praying in the natural. And the Bible said this, that he started praying. And, he, and his servant came up to him. And he said, go look and tell me what you see. He's praying. He's praying. The servant come back. He said, ain't nothing happening. He said, go look again and tell me what you see. He's praying. He's praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. He came back again and he said, I don't see none. He said, go look again. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for my husband, I'm praying for my wife, I'm praying for my, my, my son and my daughter that is lost, I'm praying for my grandchildren that's strung out on drugs, I'm praying, I'm praying that God opens up this opportunity for employment, I'm praying, I'm praying, I got a bad doctor's appointment, I'm praying, I'm praying, and nothing has seemed to be working, nothing seems to be changing, nothing seems to be happening, and I'm here to tell you the game face of an ox understands one thing that persistence break resistance uh, and you got I'm, I'm here to preach to somebody uh, come on somebody we cannot give up on prayer too quick we throw in the prayer towel too quick and give up on God but God is looking for ox people that say I will stay on my knees uh, I will continue to pray I will continue to intercede I will continue to travail until I see his kingdom come and his will be done I am here today because a mama refused to give up. She looked at me and she saw I was still in drugs and she went back and prayed. She looked at me and see I saw I was still bound and she went back and prayed. She kept praying. No matter what she saw with her eyes, she had heard something in her spirit. She had heard that that's my son. I've called him. I've 
chosen him. And my mama chose to pray on what she heard and not what she saw. I'm here to reaffirm somebody this morning. You better pick that prayer back up again and continue to pray on what you heard and not what you see. Because on the seventh time, the Bible said the servant came back and he said, what do you see? I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. It looked small, but it was loaded. It was the very thing that broke the famine. You might just be one prayer away from your breakthrough. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop praying for our nation. I'm not going to stop praying for our community. I'm not going to stop praying for the president and the government. I'm not going to stop praying. I will pray and pray and pray. And what else you going to do? Pray and keep praying and keep declaring and keep decreeing. And I, be- oh, you don't understand. Man, prayer can do anything that God can do. There is power in prayer. Last point. I think listen to me one more and I'm going to give you my last point the one thing that I saw that was critical hear me was this right here the Bible said the ox was, was, was like the tractor of that day it was the bulldozer of that day it was the John Deere of that day And it wasn't just used in Judges chapter 6, watch this, to pull things forward. It was also used to pull things down. In Judges chapter 6, the Bible said this concerning Gideon. Hear this word. This is for somebody in this room. The Bible said, take your father's young bull. Check me out on this. That young bull is translated to ox. Check me out. And a second bull, seven years old. Tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut it down, cut down the Asherah pole beside it. What did God tell him to do? He said, take the ox and I want you to use the ox to tear down the idolatry and the altars of your wicked father. I want you to break down and tear and cancel what the enemy tried to bring generationally through your family. The game face of an ox understands, here we go, that I've been called to be a cycle breaker. What God was telling Gideon, he said the ox is going to break the cycle of wicked idolatry that's running through your family. When I prayed last night, I was praying over in that building about this point. I believe that God said there are cycle breakers in this room. You are called to be cycle breakers. Some of you are first generation Christians, but you are not going to be the last generation Christians. Some of you have been called to break cycles, break cycles of poverty, break cycles of divorce, break cycles of drug abuse, break cycles of alcohol, break cycles of chronic depression, break cycles of low self-esteem. Come on, some of you have 
been called to break cycles. Uh, you, Oh my God, if you have to be the first one, be the first one to graduate from college. Be the first one to start a business. Be the first one to write a book. Be the first one. Come on, somebody. God wants to raise up cycle breakers that breaks the cycle. I'm here to declare I might not kill every devil and every demon, but me and Shanna have committed. I will spend the rest of my life trying to take down everyone that I can so Jacob and Sydney and their children and their children, children will not have to fight them. I am determined to break the cycle off of my family and declare that from your children and your children's children shall be blessed. Is there any cycle breakers in the house? Last but not least, the ox, separation, sustainability, strength. Somebody shout this, say service. The ox was known for his service. The Bible said that, that, that in Proverbs 14, that where there is no ox, the stall is clean. And it says, by the strength of an ox, the harvest is increased. See, we used, you know, see, we used to think about the stall is clean. There ain't no poop in there. Mm-mm. It's deeper than that. It's deeper. That, that, that's a way to look at it, but it's deeper. Where the, listen to this. Where the stall is clean, there is no ox. It says, but the strength of the ox brings the harvest. That word stall is translated storehouse. That word stall is translated barn house. What the scripture is saying, if we don't have some ox in the church, the storehouse is empty of the harvest because the harvest is plenty, but the labors, the oxes are few. He said the star, if there's no oxes in the house, we can't see the harvest come in the house. That's why we can't be donkeys. We got to be oxen who's yoked with the power of God because there's a whole harvest out there that's dependent on us. We can't be a bunch of stubborn donkeys. He's all the time. But he wants believers with a game face that says that have a heart for the harvest, that has a heart for lost people, that has a heart for broken people, that has a heart to witness again and share your faith again. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time that you shared your testimony with somebody? An ox has a heart for the harvest and by its strength, the harvest shall be filled. Another word for that word stall is was the word manger Mm -hmm. a manger that's where it gets to the messy place he said where there is no ox in the stall or the manger there is no increase but think about a manger a manger was a messy nasty place but the last time I checked there was a man that came into the manger there was a man that came into the messy place there was a savior that was born in the manger who is not intimidated by messes because when you have the game face of an ox, uh, you understand uh, that if you're out to reap the harvest, you're going to have to deal with messy people. You're going to have to deal with people that are messed up with all types of stuff. But an ox don't look at their mess. The ox look at the Messiah. The ox looks through, come 
on somebody and say, I don't care how messed up you are. The Messiah came in the stall and he was born in the stall. He paid the price for the mess in the stall and you can be saved. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can be restored. You can be revived. You can be redeemed. You can be reconciled. It doesn't matter how messy your life is. The ox looks beyond the mess and he sees the Messiah. I end on this for real, real. Somebody say, he lying. No, I'm not. Somebody say service. Romans 15, one says this. Those of us who are strong and able in faith need to step in and lead a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Listen, strength is for service and not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? I'll end with this video. And I saw this this week. It was the recipient. It's a, it's a few minutes here. But it was the recipient. When I knew what I was preaching, I didn't know that this was going to happen. And I knew I had this point. It spoke so deeply to me. Somebody say, strength is for service and not status. And this was a reward, the man of the year award that went to this individual in the NFL who is the epitome of this. Watch this video. Where are you at? For 16 seasons, over 250 games, 5,000 snaps, Andrew Whitworth, the oldest left tackle in NFL history, has been here in the trenches. Securing the blind side on the field while providing that same security to those in need off the field. The greatest thing I can ever give to anyone is for them to genuinely know that I truly care about them. You live life loving people and caring about people and meeting them where they are. And then you try to help them get to that next step. Never let anyone tell you you can't. But I can't just stand up here and tell you, hey, go out and do your best without having the opportunity to provide some resources for you. Where are you at? In Andrew's home state of Louisiana, it's a version of how are you? A saying that mirrors his mission to find out where people are truly at and enter their world to help them get to where they need to be. Growing up as a kid, I had a grandmother that loved to host everybody in her town and have some fellowship. And to me, that's where service begins. No matter where you're from, what your background, what your skin color is, everyone is welcome. My wife and I decided to bless some kids in the community in L.A. with some uh, bikes for Christmas, and I uh, could be more excited, more nervous. He just wants to do good, always looking for the person that needs help or a neighborhood that needs help. The Los Angeles Rams are going to be making a $50,000 donation wow. to help out Heart of L.A. Awesome. And these are the Heart of L.A. football cleats. This is the city I play in. This is the area I'm going to live in and work in. Here's some things that are going on in it where I can be of help. For the past couple years, we've been trying to help solve that homeless problem going on in Los Angeles. But also saw what was happening in Louisiana and Hurricane Ida coming, the tragedy that they were going through. So we created a fund where every home game I would donate $20,000 to both those causes. 
Me and my family, we we're going to cover the down payment for all of you guys in your homes. Where are you at? Andrew was there in the wake of civil unrest, donating $215,000 to social justice programs. Join us in helping our neighbors in need. Andrew was there at the height of the pandemic, donating a quarter million dollars to the LA Regional Food Bank. Andrew was there for children battling life-threatening illnesses, raising over $800,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. From children's literacy programs to veterans. This program has transformed my life. Andrew has been there for them all. Who's got my back? Right where they're at. We're going to make a $50,000 donation. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being the angel that gets to deliver that message to us. For Andrew, when it comes to giving back, it's all about being there in the trenches with those you are helping. Andrew Whitworth surprised dozens of homeless children with Christmas gifts tonight. A lesson he is all too eager to pass on to the next generation. It starts at my dinner table, and it starts with the kids that I raise. I want to teach them what it means to be a servant, being a part of something bigger than yourself. He's been doing this basically his entire life, and it won't stop when he retires. This is like a life mission. It's just who he is. What a special moment for me and my family. I want to start by thanking my wife, Melissa. I don't know where she's sitting, but I wouldn't be up here without her passion for community service and the support she's always given me. Melissa and I have always believed that community service starts in our home. It starts with our own kids. Because the best lessons we can give them is for them to learn from their mom and dad what it means to try, to fail, to regroup, and grow from the process. I also want to thank Molly Higgins and the Los Angeles Rams organization. Their commitment to the community is nothing short of greatness. It's unbelievable. It's one of the most special things I've been around, a team that truly believes in community effort. This award, though, has been about players who are great on the football field but live with their hearts off of it. They made their time in the NFL about more than just the stats they put out on the field, but how they lived off of it. I'm humbled, I'm honored to stand up here and represent the outstanding class of 2021 nominees and all the previous winners. Give them a round of applause. Come on. But I'm here to tell you we have more work to do. Social media has been great for bringing awareness to all our causes. But that's not enough. We need more action. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, this is the truth. The people who come to see us play, who watch our game on TV, who buy our jerseys, who follow you on social media, they're why our game exists. It's why we have a field to play on. We are financially supported and provided the opportunity to play a kid's game because of the support we receive from communities across this country and across the world. 
But how are we supporting back? In what ways are we paying it forward to the same communities we all grew up in, we all came from, or maybe the people that we've seen struggling along the way we got to where we are? It can be as simple as making a kid smile by walking in school and telling them you love them and you believe in them, and they can achieve anything they want. Or maybe it's stepping up financially and saying, I'm going to ensure every child has the same opportunity in education, regardless of what their zip code is or what state they live in. Or maybe it's using your platform to make sure local, and local government and officials are always creating programs and funding that have youth having an equal playing field and the ability to chase every dream they ever have. It's called an investment. You can apply those three things to any charity or cause you have a passion for. You can invest your time, you can invest your finances, or you can invest your voice. It doesn't matter which. We just have to keep investing in each other. Let your heart lead you all the way. I've had so many amazing experiences serving in the community. Watching that video just really brought tears to my eyes and, and it warmed my heart just watching people smile, watching kids just enjoy life and remembering what that was like. Going on school visits, providing STEM labs, hospital visits, programs for military, or just going to local food banks and helping out with homeless shelters, all those have been amazing. But one experience brought it all together for me this year and it happened to me on a football field. In our game against the Detroit Lions, I had a young player from the Lions run up to me as soon as the final horn went off. And I saw him sprinting over and I didn't know what was going on. Like we'd known each other forever. I couldn't place him. It made me so nervous. Had I actually played long enough that like a coach's son or player's son is playing against me? <laughs> he stopped that. He said, hey man, you're not going to remember me. I'm Derek Barnes. You spent time with me when you were a young player in Cincinnati at the Boys and Girls Club. And it meant the world to me. You used to sit with me and talk to me about life. And I was just a little kid. I want you to know how much it meant to me. I said, man. He goes, you know what? The main thing I want to say, Wit, I made it. I made it to the NFL, Big Wit. Wow. I was floored for how special that was, but I don't tell that story to say I did anything special. I hope you don't see that video and you think there's anything special about me, but I hope that you see it and you think this. On that Tuesday off day, when every guy sitting in this room has played knows, I'd rather be at home. I made an investment in him, and I didn't even know it. I think that's a great lesson for all of us. None of us know when the moment's gonna present itself. The key, is to always be available when it does. Isn't that powerful? He said, none of us know when that moment will come. But the key is being available when it does. But I love what he said. He said, it started with my own home, teaching my kids and raising my kids up. But when I thought about that point, strength is for service and not for status. That was a big ox. He is a big ox, for real. Big boy. But he understood that everything that he had been given, 
Everything that he had been entrusted with, position, prestige, influence, that it wasn't about him. That it was meant to be a blessing to others. And notice what he said. You ne he didn't even know the investment that he was making when he had one conversation with a young man, a kid, just encouraging him in life. That one day that same kid would run up on the field and say, Big Wit, I made it. I made it, Big Wit. Because you took time and encouraged me as a young kid. It put something in me. You use your strength for service and not for status. There was a time I, stand up on your feet, I'm gonna let you get out of here. There was a time I used to count up in life. I can't wait till I get 18, I can't wait till I get 19, I can't wait. But now I'm at a place, I'm not counting up anymore, I'm counting down. Because I don't know how many more years I have on this earth, I hope plenty. Either I'm going to see Jesus or he going to come get me, one of the two. But until then, I want to use my strength for service and not for status. I pictured in my mind, what would it be like if all of us are in heaven one day, and it may not be this way theologically, but hundreds of thousands running up to you and I saying, I made it. I made it because you was an ox in Free Chapel. I made it because you took time to share the love of Christ with me. I made it because you had time to talk to me and encourage me. I made it because you welcomed me in your small group. You loved me when everybody else rejected me. I made it. Let's be a church. Let's be a people. Let's be a body of believers that says, God, no matter what you do, how much you bless us, let us have the game face of an ox. We'll be separated. We'll, we'll have sustainability. We'll recognize your strength upon our life, but ultimately we'll use our strength for service and not for status. And that's my prayer. I'm gonna dig deeper in this the next couple weeks. But I want us to be a church and a people that use everything that God gives us to reach out to a world that is hurting, that is broken, that is looking for answers. I still believe that Jesus and the church is the only answer to mankind and humanity. And we have the privilege to be the ox that he used to make a difference. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one leaving, no one moving, please. Isaiah chapter one says that an ox knows his master and a donkey knows his holder. He said, but Israel does not know me. Isn't that something that said the ox knows his master? That word know means relationship. Do you know your master this morning? Do you know the one that created you? Do you know the one that designed you and purposed you with a destiny? Do you know the one that allows you to actually be in this service this morning to have life and breath?
Do you know the one that actually have provided the clothes that are on your back, the foods that's on your table, the roofs over your head, the clothes, the shoes that are on your feet, the car you drove in? Do you know your master? Your master is not you. Your master is not your money. It's not the stuff that you have. It's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But the question is, do you know him? In other words, are you in relationship with him? If not, you can't be. And it's easy to do it. It's called surrendering. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. He said, take my yoke upon ye, you, and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you'll find rest for your souls. If you're in this room this morning, I'm not asking you, do you know church and do you know religion? I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Have you said yes to him? Have you surrendered your life completely to him? Because there's an ox in you that he's ready to release to make a difference in this world. But first, he's got to know his master. If you're in this room this morning, you would say, Javon, pray for me. I need to surrender my life completely to Jesus Christ. I need to make him Lord of my life. Maybe you've backslid. Maybe you've strayed away. Maybe you need to recommit to him this morning. Because you realize that my life is meant to be lived more than just myself. I've been called to make a difference. But you can only make a difference after you've allowed him to make a difference in your life by surrendering. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're standing. And I'm going to pray for you and lead you in a prayer that's going to save your life and change your life. One, if you know I'm talking to you. Two, if you receive this word. Three, if that's you, just raise your hand up high. I want to see it anywhere in this room. Raise it up. Raise it up high and I'll acknowledge you. Anyone? Anyone? I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise it up unashamedly. I see that hand. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unashamedly. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand back there. God bless you. Anyone else? All of you that raised your hand right now, I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and God's going to hear your prayer right there where you're standing. And every person in this room is going to join this prayer with you right now. Many of these people have already prayed this prayer, but we're going to pray it together. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me in your blood. Today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning. From this day forward, I I commit my life completely to you. I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Now give Jesus a hand clap of praise for those. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.